Corporate Unplugged opens the door to a world of people transforming business. They share their dreams, their experiences, and what they would never give up. I'm so glad to be here with Getali Chatvalunson. Getali, welcome to my podcast. Thank you. Getali is the uh, CEO of the sustainable home fashion brand Chatvalunson, and they are a magnet for people who appreciate timeless, authentic, and handmade interior products, which have so far landed in uh, the homes of thousands of people in uh, 18 countries. But uh, Getali, let's kick off with. Uh, Normally, the most important question, which is actually, what are your dreams? I think I'm going to start by first describing myself. I am a people's person. I have uh, lived and uh, traveled in um, India, East Africa, most of Europe, and uh, dreams, passions, happiness. These are all related words, and I would say that I'm happiest when I am with people. It's when I can connect to people. It's when I can connect people to each other. It's basically when I can find that common denominator that's going to bridge that gap between people. So, getting back to the question, what are my dreams? I would say that so far, a dream role for me is anything. It could be in any business, wherever I can connect people, wherever I can find that common denominator, where I where I can get people to do business with each other. That's the perfect role for me, and that's exactly where I ended up as well. Really living my dream or following my passion in the true sense, because uh, the whole idea behind Chatwal and Johnson is to bring together rich traditional Indian handicraft with Swedish design. So, in that sense, I'm truly living my dream. And in terms of your passion for connecting people and linking people together. How is that expressed through the daily life of uh, your company? In India, we're working with these really, really very—I call them intelligent hands—because it's the art and uh, tradition that they have followed for generations, and not because it's just because it's followed for generations. There is a thought behind it. There is a sustainability aspect behind it. If they do a production in a certain place, it's because there is a natural. There is a natural resource that is supporting it, whether it's the sunshine, whether it's the raw material, or whether it's the free time that they have when they have to produce it. And to have that ability to work so closely with these artists, which which I must also add today is a dying art, because you know with development with technology there is the tendency to do mass production in in larger scales, and uh, probably it's it's all about the economics behind it, and. To work with these intelligent hands to really understand their tradition, their culture, and combine that with a with a Scandinavian eye for for design, and and our passion is to bring these two worlds together and express it as our own style, which is what uh, we deliver. What turning points in your life have influenced you the most so far? There are two points that I would really think really mattered to me uh, uh, in my journey through life. The first being when um, I, I come from India, so I moved to Sweden only 16 years ago. 
but in the mid 90s when I, I lived in India, so I was in the UK for a short period where I worked. And uh, when I went back to India in the mid 90s, I was a, a young girl. I was filled with ideas, dreams, passion, a will to do something, a will to do something good, a will to achieve something. It was, it was a fantastic period in my life. And um, coming back to India, the first thing I did, and I was supported by my family in that, to start up my own company. It was a travel company and it was, looking back, it was actually a big step because for a young girl, this was the time the Indian economy was just opening up, to start, go out there and start your own company and actually be very successful at it, both with not only in terms of growth, but the whole value system and building a value system into the organization, which I successfully happened to do. But that taught me a lot. That taught me the importance of value systems in organizations, the importance of leading by example, the importance of, above all, the importance of believing in your ideas and following your heart. That was the biggest lesson I learned out of it. It was something that was very unconventional, but I went with my heart. I did what I, I wanted to do, and I was happy at it. That was the biggest thing. I was so happy at it. The other, I would say, turning point in my life was, of course, 16 years ago when I married Stig, my husband, and moved to Sweden. I'd lived and moved in, uh, around in many places, but this was a bigger step. And again, it was a turning point in the sense that I came into a new culture, a new lifestyle, and I embraced it wholeheartedly. Everything from making an effort to learn the language completely to starting up a company here again from scratch, literally on day two when I arrived here, to um, building a family and become a part and parcel of this culture and love it and actually be a representative of this culture out in the world. And that was also a turning point because all of a sudden I've done the same journey in two cultures and find myself so deeply rooted and so proud of both these cultures. So I think these two, uh, these two turning points in my life were very important. Via your family, you told me before you have uh, uh, had a pretty uh, global life, I would say. Absolutely, and that's probably why I am a people's person because um, my father was in the Indian army and also served abroad under many occasions. And uh, that meant that every three years we moved. And uh, from the very beginning, it meant that uh, you very quickly made friends in the new place you arrived in. But that did not mean that you left the friends that you left behind three years ago, which meant that you were very open-minded to all ideas, all thoughts, and saw everything as an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's probably why I say I'm a people's person, because I loved it. I loved moving around. I think the longest I've ever stayed in one place is since I moved to Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> but which countries uh, did you live in with uh, your family before? Uh, India. And India, I would say, is more like a continent. So it was we moved around and lived in more, almost all parts of India. East Africa, as I mentioned. Ethiopia was a very long stay and then Kenya. And uh, now Sweden, these are the countries that I've, and of course, the United Kingdom, where I worked for a, a mm. period of time. Mm. So what is the vision for your company? We have formulated our vision as textiles for life. For the wording textiles for life is very encompassing. It could mean everything from textiles that come from life 
textiles that are meant to last a lifetime, textiles that are a part and parcel of the lives of the people, not only who are consuming it, but also who are involved in the production process. And there are many, many of these intelligent hands who are involved in the production process. It is a, a vision to have an all-encompassing, sustainable idea where textiles become an integrated part of life. What long-term solutions for business do you believe in? I think collaborations is the key word for any business. No business has ever has a, or will survive in, in isolation. And uh, the more a business collaborates on equal terms, where uh, people have a respect, there is a sense of um, a distribution of equality in, in the business, uh, I think the, that is a long-term solution. For instance, if I would take uh, the very business idea of, for, for Chatwal and Johnson, it's, it's completely based on collaboration. We work very closely or collaborate with our partners in India. And when I say partners, I choose not to call them our suppliers because this is a relationship that is built on an input, a trust, a long-term relationship built on both sides. It's absolutely not about who can provide me the best price and whereby it's not from their side who can buy the largest container. It's, it's a relationship that is built on trust. It's a relationship that is nurtured. It doesn't come overnight. I mean, we, we are a, a very small company. We, we, like all companies, we started from very humble beginnings. And uh, when you start that relationship and when you say that you're going to buy those small quantities, you know, you're looked upon skeptically. But you have to build that relationship with them and make them believe in your idea and your visions so that they're on board. And I remember so distinctly this one meeting that we have in the very, very beginning when we worked with this family that, that weaves our carpets and we were sitting there and um, very early on and we asked him, so leave aside the price. Of course, price is important, but that's not the first criteria. Tell us, how did your grandfather weave the carpet? And I promise you, Vesna, the look in his eyes, if I had a camera, it was a look of a million dollars because <laughs> for the first time, somebody had addressed him as a person. Somebody had addressed him as an artist. Somebody had, was interested in his art and somebody was interested in his opinion more than just the price. Mm. And that way it is. And today we are there, live in their home, they live with us, we uh, collaborate in business, we have become partners. And that's the long-term success because he sees it's not a short-sighted one order and we are gone. We are interested in his art and he is interested that we get the best product out of it. So I think uh, in any business, if you have long-term relationships, then again, I would also like to add one more thing here that we are all in the business of people. No organization can exist without people. And when I say people, I do not only mean the employees, but I mean all stakeholders. Mm. If the management and an organization start looking at people or see people, as they say, never forget to see the people. Because once you lose that connect, you cannot have a long-term formula. It's when people meet, it's when people talk, it's when people share a meal. That's when the magic happens, 
magic does not happen in conference rooms. Mm. That's the long-term formula. Mm. Yeah, that's very, very, very true. And uh, in, I think in general, everything that is truly authentic, which is exactly what you're talking about, that has this desired rippling, you know, ripple effect that we're all looking for as well. But in a concrete manner, how do you make these things happen? Imagine mid-size, big-size companies. What is, according to you, uh, the trick to, uh, you know, remain authentic and to continue to see people? I think value-driven companies, you've got to be very, very clear what your stand is. And when you share your values and you have people as a part of your dream or your business, I call it my dream, who share your values, it's it just happens. Mm. Alignment. It's an alignment that happens. You can't, I can't give you a formula. I can't take you to a classroom and say, that's the way you have to do it. You have to find, it's the people's business. You have to find people who share your values and you have to be good as a company to express your values and stand for them. That's, you know, they, there are many aspects to this. You've got to express your values, you've got to stand for your values, and then you've got to find partners, stakeholders who share your values mm. so that that part of the business has to just run its own life. I think once, then it's infectious. Mm. Then it's like a self-playing piano. You will find that, uh, I think, this is this is applicable to any company. It could be a small company to the largest corporations. And I think we have many large corporations who today are talking about their values. And, and we see wherever the value and the culture goes through, mm. those are the ones who are successful. Mm. And thank God it's like that, right? Um, because <laughs> then the, the right companies are growing in a Absolutely. way. Absolutely. And the right companies are attracting the right talent. And uh, I think it just starts a, a fantastic game. You start mm. attracting the right talent and the right talent does much more for you and you get out the right causes in the world. Mm. What else do we need today? The perfect flow. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but if you assume that you have all doors open and uh, all resources available, what would you innovate or change? I would like to start by saying that the most important thing here to understand is that we are, each one of us already, is a source of change. The day we accept and understand that we as individuals are a source of change, I think change has already started. So in our very small individual capacity, we are every day making changes already. Now you've given me the whole world and you say that, great, you've got everything that I want to change. <laughs> that's, that's the most fantastic opportunity. And I think the one thing that I would immediately want to do is reduce the gap between the, the economical differences in the world. I think the gap today, unfortunately, is increasing when it comes to the economical differences between the people who have and the people who do not have. And if I can in any way reduce that, I think it will address so many issues, whether it is education, whether it is healthcare, whether it's gender equality, whether it's basic human rights. I think a lot of the problems that we have in the world that we see today arise out of these extreme polarities within the wealth distribution of the world. And uh, that is something that we all as business leaders today must work on to see how can we bring people on a common platform economically 
you know, there has to be some kind of a basic economic need that is met. And thereafter, we can start talking about growth and development as an, as an inclusive growth. Mm. So that is something that uh, I would like to do. And that is something I think we can already do, whether I have all the resources or not. Mm -hmm. And in India, do you have any recent examples from there where things are going in the right direction in terms of economic equality, uh, etc.? I mean, there are, there are many levels of that. There, there is one level, which is the political level, which, which of course, is always working towards that. But I think uh, that the big change is coming in within the business world, within the, the entrepreneurial world, where there is a, a great rise in the, the middle class, as we call it in India. It's, it's a huge, you know, when we're talking of huge, we're talking of uh, several hundred million people mm. who today belong to that. And, and it's a fantastic dynamic that's happening, which we've seen from the 90s. I mean, both from that both men and women are coming out into the work life. I think that's a great thing that is happening. And it's, of course, economically driven because the families have begun to understand that, you know, it's firstly, it's 50% of the workforce being women, but also that the woman then is an equal partner in the house. And I think that's that's working really well when it's coming into to, to, to gender equality questions. And that in turn is driving the, the importance of education the importance of uh, having being empowered. And I think India is a great example that you take where you can see that dynamic happening. Then it's not going to happen overnight, but it's a dynamic that once put into place can give fantastic results, and not only economically, and that's why I said there is that dimension, but I think even socially, and that social impact is where it's important. When you at the grassroots can can uh, make out the difference. And I can, I can take an example from my own business, for mm -hmm. instance, where we are making our hand-printed linen cushion covers and when we have a bigger order, for instance, because it's a small family-owned business that is doing it. So, so it's all, it's a community-based business, I would say. Wait, which part of India is that? This is in North India, outside mm -hmm. of Delhi. And it's so fantastic because then when the, when the uh, workload is high, then the women in the in the colony, and you know, some of them may not be educated. They come in and they help, and it's such a fantastic sight in the morning when they have dressed up beautifully, very clean, very nice with their saris, elegant, dressed up, and they come with such they pride to work, and they are in charge of our quality control because they are really, really good with what they they see, they feel, they understand, and that's something they've been good, and that's an empowerment. Mm. This woman would probably feel very uncomfortable in a in a nine to five job in an office because she's not had that kind of education. But she comes in here with a lot of confidence and does her work and she can dream. She can dream for her children. She can send them to school. Hmm. That's the change that one looks for. Hmm. It's, it's, fa it's fantastic. I, I always feel lovely when I go in there. Hmm. Are they also intrigued by the fact that whatever they are doing is also going to end up in somewhere in the world and be used in somebody's home out there. Are they interested in these aspects as well? or That's a question I will take back and ask them the next time <laughs> I'm there. Actually, I've never asked them. It's We, we end up drinking tea. We end up uh, talking of uh, families. We end up talking about their children and school and plans. Okay. You know, it's, it's more future-based in their reality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, so, but I will take that question and ask them the next time I go there. Imagine if uh, you had the possibility to give one message or advice to uh, leaders 
what would it be? I think the most important thing for them is, I would tell them is that they should never lose sight or forget that whatever decisions, whatever steps they take impacts the lives of many, many, many more people. And if I would just put it simply, maybe that the aspect of empathy is very, very important when they take any decisions or steps, because there are so many ripple effects. There are so many ecosystems that they are touching directly or indirectly that these steps, measures, or inclusive of ideas that they have can change the ecosystem drastically, both immediately but also long term. Mm. And, and for that, I think empathy is the key word. If, if, if all decisions are not only driven by political or economical drivers, but also the empathy aspect comes in. Mm. I think that would probably help us a bit. Mm. Yeah, both, both, I guess, because it's the right thing to do, but also because eventually it's also good for business because that kind of behavior attracts clients, I think, as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, uh, leaders, whether they are company leaders or uh, leaders for countries, I mean, these are all small ecosystems in themselves. A country is an ecosystem, a family is an ecosystem, a, a, an organization is an ecosystem, a company is an ecosystem, and all of them are interrelated. Mm. So a decision in any one of them can affect, can or may affect all or one of these ecosystems. Mm. Let's hope that they are not paralyzed by that. <laughs> no, I hope not. <laughs> but if you... Uh, were to give advice to yourself, let's say 15 years ago, what would that be? I think it's about attitude. I, I, um, I'm a kind of person who doesn't sit back and look back and analyze things too much. What I am today is a result of both all the actions that have happened to me. And I think that's what's formulated me. And I would not want to really change anything of that. Because the important thing is that when something good or bad, I would say, happens, it's important to take the learning from it and move on because that's what's really going to form you. So I, I, I think I have uh, everything that has happened is, has been for some good reason. And that's what I believe. Whatever happens, happens for a reason. And that's what results in where I am today and where I will be tomorrow. Mm. So actually, I'm pretty happy at whatever happened there. No, no advisors to change. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. But for companies, what do you think is the most important thing right now to focus on? People. I will go back to what I said about people. I think if we do not lose sight of all our stakeholders, of all the people involved, customers, internal customers, stakeholders, use whichever word you want, I think we will come very long because it will also address all the, like I mentioned, the issues of the, the economical differences or um, empathy, all the points that I have said so far. I think that it comes down to seeing the people and wanting to do good for the people, together with the people, involving them. I think that that would be very important. Do you have some examples of leaders who are, you think, transforming, you know, the business world in a good way? I would say that I have 
examples of many leaders, but probably not leaders who are recognized in the global context. For me, any source of change, person who is driving any source of change from the grassroots level is a leader in his or her own capacity. For me, that the, the lady who comes from the, the colony and who is so proud and who wants a bright future for her child and is so proud in her role, she's a leader. She's a role model. She's a trendsetter. She's somebody who's done something which is not of the usual. She is driving change. And I admire, of course, there are many leaders. It's not that I don't, but I, I want to, let me say, lift these unsung heroes, as you mm. call them, because I feel very, very passionate about these people. Mm. They are my friends, they are my role models, and they are the ones who, who really drive me to do what I do every day, because I see that change happening in my business, through other businesses, and that's, that brings a smile on your face every day. Mm. It's so true. Thanks for pointing that out, really. But if we uh, lift ourselves even you know, higher and say, okay, what do you think the world needs most at this time? I think a positive attitude. Because uh, we are in the world we live today, and if you look at the newspaper every morning, we are engulfed with a lot of news, which is not necessarily very positive. And it's an energy that can bring all of us down. But in this, I think it's very important to remember that there are many, many, many positive things that are happening. It's important to remember them. It's important to continue on your journey. It's important to see yourself as a source of change, but also see yourself as a leader and say that I truly believe, I am passionate about this and see the opportunities that the world can provide today. It is a very, very challenging time, and it's a huge, I would say, uphill task to have that attitude. But that is something I think we, we really need to have, to, because we have to go past this wave. We mm. have to move on. And I, I personally am very optimistic about the world's future. It's just that all of us who are very optimistic and positive in our attitude have to put our minds and hearts and hands and souls and organizations together mm. to reach that goal. And we will be there. Mm. Collaboration and then supporting each other. Absolutely. And a positive attitude. Mm. Thank you very much, Getali. It has been so good to talk to you. Very inspiring. I have like a warm feeling inside. You've uh, given lots of inspiration and ideas. Thank you for sharing everything. Thank you so much that um, I could be here. It was uh, in the true sense unplugged. <laughs> and I, I uh, really liked sitting here and having this very open discussion. So thank you very much, Vesna. Thank you. To find out more about uh, Getali and their work, head to chatvaljonsson.se. It's spelled C-H-H-A-T-W-A-L-J-O-N-S-S-O-N.se. And of course, follow them on Instagram. 
Thank you very much for listening and until next time, live with purpose and remember to unplug. Ciao. Thank you.